Hi, it's David Pullen with the hot button number 85, death. I am an arguer by nature, but with death, no arguments. As some bright bulb or drunken wrench said, death is undefeated and untied. Ingmar Bergman implanted the imagery of playing a chess match with death in our cinema mad heads in the seventh seal. And I guess in 2022, that would be more like a lip sync battle with Jimmy Fallon as the arbiter of life and loss. But whatever it is, whatever you believe about the afterlife... That argument is an obvious lie. Even a Christmas carol takes place before Ebenezer Scrooge's predicted death. He escapes only his broken shell on that Christmas morning, not his immediate death. Death is so incredibly universal, yet so breathtakingly subjective. Andy Timoner documented her father's passing in a Sundance entry this year, Last Flight Home. It is, like most of her work and her name, singularly Andy, but also not. It is her family. The film and the experience is a coming together in a beautiful way to say goodbye to an elder. So many things in it are easily identifiable in all of our experiences. And as such, Andy's movie offers so many things to judge, to the positive or the negative, which is not really the point. Even on offer, it is not ours to judge. As the news of Ivan Reitman's death spread last night, sometime during the Super Bowl, the response was striking in all of the best ways, but also in all of the worst ways. 75 is too young, but what a remarkable life. He bridged a gap in his family's history between literally enslaved and profoundly entitled. He was born out of a love that started in 1938 and was not consummated in marriage until World War II's end. The couple were survivors of Hitler's efforts to purge Jews from the face of the earth. Ivan Reitman was born in Czechoslovakia on October 27, 1946, exactly one year and nine months after the liberation of Auschwitz where his mother had been held on January 27, 1945. His parents celebrated in just the right way with life. The Reitman family history in Canada was mistold to me over the years. They had no association with Reitman's department stores, for instance, which were founded in Canada decades before his family arrived as refugees. Ivan was in his 20s when his parents bought a car wash on King and John in Toronto, having made enough money to buy such a thing in a then industrial neighborhood but not enough to have run had others run it without hands-on engagement by the owner. That corner has become, has even more history, weirdly, that connects to the Reitmans, even before they arrived, or at least the Reitmans' story. It had been the site of the first hospital in Toronto in 1812. In 1847, immigrants, which the Reitmans would be in 1951, were quarantined with cholera on those hospital grounds that the Reitmans would eventually own. Ivan Reitman's parents worked that car wash until the mid-1980s. This is a blurry part of the family history financially. I'm sure somebody knows the answer. Ivan was the producer of 1974's The Magic Show, which became a big hit on Broadway for four and a half years. It had started in Toronto under a different name, Spellbound, with a book by David Cronenberg, who Reitman would do his first film producing jobs for in 1975 with Shivers and 1977 with Rabid. Also famous, that one, Rabid, for Marilyn Chambers being in it. Reitman reached out to the National Lampoon publisher, Maddie Simmons, and suggested they work together. The first production was on stage, The Lampoon Show, which followed the more famous Lemming Show, and starred Gilda Radner, Bill Murray, John Belushi, Harold Ramis, and Brian Doyle Murray, just before Saturday Night Live launched. Reitman and Simmons would develop a movie using the right pool of National Lampoon talent. They ended up producing Animal House in 78, which aside from being a generational cinematic landmark, 
was a massive hit by the standards of the time, with $142 million at the domestic box office. Ivan was already 42, but he became the most dominant comedy director and producer of the 1980s, well into the 1990s. Presumably, that was when he became wealthy. Reitman's family, Reitman's family's parents, finally, <laughs> Reitman's parents finally converted their car wash into a parking lot for a growing entertainment scene in Toronto in 1987. His father Leslie would pass away in 1993 at 78. His mother Clara would pass away in 2003 at 80. Just a few years later, that land that was a hospital, then a car wash, then a parking lot would become the grounds for Bell Lightbox and the massive luxury condo above it. A family now entitled that earned every bit of it, that persevered, that thrived, that 40 years plus after the explosive financial spark, Animal House, made it look so much easier than it was. And surely a family whose history, as hard as it was, will find some who feel it wasn't hard enough to be celebrated in retrospect. Death has been a part of my life since I was born, before I was born. My family has been defined by the children who died 10 months before I was born and the desperation to heal that unhealable wound. I've realized in the hopefully ongoing fullness of time that even with a reasonably strong intellect, I spent most of my life in reflection of what came before me, seeking unconsciously to recreate and conquer what is unconquerable. Is this good or bad? Have I failed my purpose as a human? Or have I embraced, even unknowingly, the nature of my species? There are so many choices about what matters to each of us during our lives, and every choice we make can be pulled apart. What seems dynamic and powerful can seem timid and weak in a different reflection. What seems petty can prove heroic. What is safe may kill us. What is dangerous may protect us. This is the basic human condition. Just when we think we're out, it pulls us back in. Now in my 50s, death has taken a step closer to me and to those I love and to those I might admire from afar. It's every week now used to be a couple a quarter. I find comfort, usually, in looking closer, reaching for the intimacy that we rarely have with others. With our families, we have little choice, but how well do we really know all but a handful of people, people who will die, and people who will live beyond us? I live now for my 12-year-old, and for how my death might limit his journey. I wish him freedom. I wish not to be a burden to his heart, so he might do better. And that is my argument with death. It's the best I can do today until tomorrow.